Okay. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that answers the question, what if there were a podcast about comics? But, get this, it featured two straight white guys. Surely, I am Max. <laughs> and I am JR. And surely uh, the, the world needs another one of those. Yeah. Uh, no, it's... The- it's it's a niche that's just been waiting to be filled. You know what I was thinking, though, was uh, two straight white guys talking about Star Trek. No Ooh. one's doing that. Ooh. Or Star Wars. Yeah, is the world ready? Yeah. Oof. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think there needs to be a major paradigm shift before the world is ready for... Two cishet white guys talk about Star Wars, part 5,758. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hello. We're, hello. Uh, we're the worst. All we, right. We are. You know, let's, like... But let's, is, let's pretend that we're not for about two hours. You know what? I... This is... I never intended for this to be anything but what it is, which is just us reading comics and you know i decided like the thing the thing about it is at the time that uh we started this i looked and i was like i don't see anybody doing this and only after we'd started did i find everybody else doing this so i was like all right well fuck it i don't really care like yeah uh anyway Listen, don't. I don't really give a shit. I, I view this as self care more than anything else. And if somebody else happens to listen and enjoy, great. If they don't, whatever. I'll keep jerking off. I'll. I don't give a shit. I'm anyway. uncomfortable now. Go ahead. <laughs> oh come on. Yeah. I'm jerking off right now. No. Uh. Anyway. News. News. Uh, well, how's it going? Uh, How it goes. It? Yeah, it goes. I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I went to the gym and ran every day this week. Oh, oh what? Yeah. Like, what? I actually did. No. Yeah. No. Other than that, I got nothing Nothing new. Max, do you not know how... Okay. This is how the modern world works. You are either a gym bro, uh, or you sign up for a gym membership and then you never go. I decided that's to, it. I decided to do take the middle road. No, there is no middle road, Max. <laughs> I want to make a Democratic primary joke right now, but I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> news, news. Tell me, tell me about news. It's a Spider-Man-y week. Uh, so, Saladin Ahmed has said that the Ultimate Universe is going to be coming back, which they've kind of toyed around with previously in, like, Spider-Man 2. Uh, that is to say, the second Spider-Man miniseries. <clears throat> but, I guess, I guess my question is, why... Like, does Marvel want to be DC that badly at this point? Um, Because it's just like, 
if you're if you're gonna get rid of your multiverse, get rid of your multiverse. Don't do this like we're gonna get rid of it. Except for these things. Well, but also there was this really okay, some of it's back. Okay, it's all back, but okay, but it's gone now because we're this caused more problems. But some of it's back now, but no. Reboot. None of it's gone. (laughs) None of it's gone. (laughs) We're... Okay, so the original stuff is back now. But just stop. And and don't get me... like, Like I told you before, I like the Ultimate Universe. I like... Okay, Ultimatum was crap. Okay? But a lot of what happened post-Ultimatum was pretty cool. Okay. Uh, So I'm not... It's not even that I'm opposed to bringing back the Ultimate Universe specifically. It's just... It's... I mean, Secret Wars was, what, 2015? Yeah. Like, it's been gone for four goddamn years. Like... And only kind of gone. Like, they definitely hinted at it. What was that, an Iron Man? They were like, oh, by the way, maybe it's still here. And it's like, oh, no, it was the end of Spider-Man. They were like, maybe it's still here. And they were like, and everyone was like, oh, no, is the Ultimate Universe still here? And Marvel was just like, nothing, nothing to see. (laughs) Move on. And And the news cycle for comics basically obliged them and was like... Okay, bye. Yeah. And yeah. just left. Um, and then, yeah. so now to bring it up again is really strange. Because it feels like they were trying to take these four years post-Secret Wars and just get their footing back. As far as, you've got a book and you've got a book. And every you, if you've got a book, just write your freaking book. And everybody will have a War of Realms or whatever. But, like, other than that... Everybody else, write your damn book. Let's try to make good comics. And I don't know. It doesn't feel like that's going to help. But who knows? I don't know. Could be rad. I really like Saladin Ahmed, so... Like the Bla- like I've said before, the, the Black Bolt miniseries is rad. So if he can take it and do... What else have I read by him? Was it an actual, I forget, was it a miniseries or was it an ongoing that got canceled? Limited, mini, miniseries. It, it had, he only had 12, 12 issues. Okay. I, I was just, it I tied I in to the last three or four issues, if I remember correctly, tied into um, some, whatever Medusa was doing at the time. I think she was, that may have been a holdover, like A-Force was still a thing after Secret Wars. I don't know, but there was a tie-in between with him and Medusa, mm-hmm. like mind melding across the universe. Um, during a, they were both going through something incredibly traumatic at the exact same time, and uh, I I didn't know. The only thing, the only bit about that series that I was like, what was that? I hadn't been reading whatever Medusa was up to, so I didn't understand that bit at all. But it didn't really matter because at the end, you know, he beats the big bad and it's all good. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
Well, I lost. I, I, mean, I completely forgot what I was talking about. Ultimate. Yeah. Uh, the the upshot is, like I said, there. It's it's not that I had. It's not that I have a problem with any specific aspect of any of this. I like Miles Morales. Uh, you know, I like Saladin Ahmed. I like the Ultimate Universe stuff like that. I just I look at DC and the general mess that they constantly find themselves in because of this shit and i'm like marvel do you want to go down that road like i'm not opposed to getting rid of marvel's multiverse like if that's what you want to do do it but fucking do it don't don't pull this well no just do it anyway Uh, moving on. J.J. Abrams is quote-unquote writing Spider-Man. Uh, so... So what it is, J.J. Abrams is going to be writing, uh, some Spider-Man with his son, Henry. Uh, the reason I use quotes on writing is because... By and large, it's going to be J.J. Abrams and his sons come and his son coming up with ideas, and then the son is writing it. Um, the 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 problem with this is that this is and a lot of a lot of industry veterans have said the same thing since this was announced. This is stunt hiring. Okay. Oh yeah. This is this is more of a lot of what, and this is not to say that people can't go from doing one thing to writing comics and do well at it. That's not that's not what I'm saying at all. But you know, the Allen Heinbergs are the exception here, not the rule. Right. And a lot of this seems to be. Henry Abrams getting to write comics because of who his dad is, while industry veterans are just like, man, you know, I actually had to, like, write quality shit before Marvel would even bother with me. But apparently, if you come out of the right cock, like, whatever. I don't know. I... Plus, I'm just not a big fan of J.J. Abrams. Maybe maybe if it were someone I gave a shit about, like, I'd be more charitably inclined toward it, but I, I'm not. I think if it was somebody you gave a shit about, it would still be nepotism in a weird way. Oh, and, yeah. And that you would still feel weird about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I... Uh, whatever. It's, it's one of those things of... Uh, there will there will never be there will never be anything that will compare with having a famous dad uh ask max max landis uh yeah that was a weird time this week it's not often my name comes up a whole lot like and then you just you just start seeing you're looking at twitter and i'm like what did i do oh that's not me i knew this guy was an asshole all right moving on yeah well i mean his dad is an asshole so yeah. You know, it's like when when the son of the guy who killed three people uh turns out to be an asshole, nobody can really be like, "What? We didn't see this no. coming." 
We definitely saw this coming. All right. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, Eric Larson is going to be returning to Spider-Man with Spider-Man Going Big, which he will be doing with Jerry Conway and Mark Bagley. Cool. So, yeah. That'll be neat. Yeah. And I, I generally like Eric Larson. Um, I'm not always a huge fan. Like, Savage Dragon can be hit or miss. Uh, it's not something I've ever really gotten... Uh, super into, but uh, like I like Eric Larson, so whatever. Moving on, uh, comics. Sure. We start this week wrapping up the Serpent Crown affair. Um. So. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> We start with Avengers number 148, which is written by Steve Englehart. I do want to go ahead and apologize if there's any noise. Uh, we are demolishing our deck right now. Oh. So, yeah. Um, <coughs> so if any, if, if any of that gets picked up, I apologize. Um, Avengers number 148 is written by Steve Englehart, penciled by George Perez, inked by Sam Granger, colored by Hugh Paley, and lettered by Tom Orzakowski. And it is a George Perez week, like a lot of these books he worked on. But uh, so last issue, Vision uh, took down a lot of the heavy hit. Well, a lot of the heavy hitters. He took down Hyperion and then also Golden Avenger or Golden Archer and uh, Lady Lark were there. And... Uh, so the remaining portion of the team, which is made up of Amphibian, which I really like Amphibian because he's just looking at himself in a mirror posing. Yeah. Um, Tom Thumb and Captain Hawk, uh, which, you know, as we've said, Squadron Supreme, uh, it is hard to keep track of how many versions of Superman et al. Yeah. There are in the Marvel universe. Right. Because like just Superman alone, you've got Hyperion, you've got uh Gladiator, you've I mean like right. it's there's a there's a crazy number of Superman analogs just in Marvel alone, much less comics in general. Right. And then like, you know, yeah. So Amphibian Tom Thumb and Captain Hawk are uh, Aquaman, Adam, and uh, Hawkman, clearly. Um, but, uh, uh, so, so they're sorry. all they're all pissed that they basically got their asses handed to them. Oh, and they're also on their suborbital uh, space headquarters. Um, which that's, they must have just put the, uh, the Justice League satellite up recently, um, in the other comics, the other books. How long did they have the, the, shit, why can I not think of what the satellite is called? Well, there was the Watchtower, but that was the moon. Oh, all right. Anyway, they're on their own little watchtower uh, floating in the sky, and uh, 
everybody comes back from getting their asses handed to them and they all stand around and bitch at each other until they manage to pick up where Beast, Captain America, Iron Man, and uh, what the cat. Hellcat. Hellcat. Whoa. Having a huff, rough time today. And where they are, they send down Captain Hawk, Spectrum, Wizard, Tom Thumb, and Amphibian. Which seems... That seems like a... Why are you sidelining Hyperion for this fight? Yeah. That's a, that's a bad... It's a bad move. Anyway, we move to the international headquarters of the Cadra Cartel, which really anytime you're referring to anything as a cartel, they're probably yeah. the bad guys, right? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of cartels in history that ended up being the good guy. Yeah. And this is uh, President Rockefeller... Rockefeller? Yeah. President Rockefeller and, like, the heads of industry is essentially what they're called. Um, basically, all the rich guys run everything. I'm sad. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what that's like. Yeah, I'm sad now. <laughs> um, all the rich guys run everything and the rest, and everybody else just uh, struggles for their scraps. Yeah. Huh. What a dystopian nightmare that must be. Yeah, I uh, le- like we said, can't even can't even imagine what that's like. Well, then again, um, like this is this is still the same kind of thing they're suffering or they're they're working out in 19, in the middle 70s and yeah. like as a societal scale. So again, anytime I hear get your politics out of my comic books. I want to be like, fuck you, dude. They've been there the whole time. They've never not well, been there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so chapter part two of this is the fight between all those folks. Captain Hawk goes after beast and the, and Hellcat beast just takes Captain Hawk out twice. Like, it yeah. lays him out real well the first time. Oh, yeah, Amphibian comes up out of a fucking sewer. And... <laughs> Which? Hellcat... He, he makes this mad jump out of a sewer at Hellcat, and she just somersaults over his ass and puts him right into a storefront window. Done. And it's like, man, that's that's too good. That's too good. Sorry, sorry, Amphibian, you suck and you smell like poo. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beast gets the... up after Tom Thumb uh, sprays Hellcat with a bunch of some sort of paste. Uh, it's sticky. Uh, he ends up being able to destroy... Tom Thumb's got like this uh, mobile weapons platform, essentially, that yeah. he sits inside and uh, looks like a top. Hellcat <clears throat> throws the cat the cat's claws out to hold Tom Thumb in the air. Uh, Beast grabs the the tension lines and slams the machine down onto the ground. Uh, then Tom Thumb's just 
It's just not that big at that point. So Beast punches him in the face. Uh, they Hawk Captain Hawk comes back with a sword, and he's got a spe- a supply of special weapons that is inexhaustible. So I just I thought he said I was reading it and I thought it said spectral at first, and I was like, oh, that's a neat twist on. Oh no, that just says special. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> Beast puts him through a door. Uh, issue or fight over. Uh, yeah. Thor and Moon Dragon are coming back from the West and having a fight, and that's about whether or not Thor should be using his godhood. I think, like I end up, I know what the fight ends up being about, but in this moment, it's like that's kind of what she's just. You're she sup- she tell she tells him he's slumming. Yeah. And he's just like, uh, you need to shut the fuck up. Right. And that's kind of where we leave it right now. Which I get um, at this point I was reading it as a you need to shut the fuck up because I don't want you saying that about my friends. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I thought Thor was getting at at this point. And I think maybe that's true, but later it's something else. Yeah, well, we'll 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 get to that. Um, but the uh, when we when we switch back to the Squadron Supreme, uh, the Squadron is at the White House and uh, talking to President Rockefeller, and Rockefeller goes off on this whole thing uh, about how like uh, it's all bullshit, and they have that the cabal has sold out the things they even claim to have believed in. Um, and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and Hyperion is just like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? Uh, at which point Rockefeller's just like, ha surprise. I was the beast the whole time. Uh, <clears throat> but in the end, they're able to find uh, the portal that leads back to the 616 reality, uh, and they escape, um, and Hyperion's just like, all right, let's go after them, and the rest of the squadron's just like, uh, I, I don't know, and, and Hyperion's like, what, what do you mean? And the rest of... This is this is what I love, and this is actually the jumping off point for uh, the Squadron comics that come along later. Is that the Squadron's just like, uh, I know he was only pretending to be Rockefeller, but a lot of what he said makes a lot of sense, and uh, so they decide not to follow them through. Um, which brings us to Avengers number 149, uh, which has the same creative team. Um, oh, I was going to say, sorry. yeah, all this Perez art is freaking rad. Yeah, it's I, so I good. love, he, he's really coming into his own here. He's not the George Perez you see later on, but he's, he's definitely coming into his own and I really, I really like his art. Um, you know, it's it's problematic later, but I'll I'll get to that when we get to Inhumans. Uh, so 
In Avengers number 149, the Avengers return to their reality. Thor and Moondragon arrive back at Avengers Mansion, and they continue their conversation. Um, and Thor is just like, no, you're, you're not, you're totally wrong. I am a founding member of this team. I value the people around me, even, you know, even if I am stronger, because yeah, I am a god, but every one of those people is just as important and just as valiant and just as blah, blah, blah as I am. Uh, they go inside and find out that the team has, uh, gone to Long Island and Thor's like but why and uh yeah so they go they go after them uh there's a big there's a big fight uh between the brand corporation's uh hired army and the Avengers during this Hugh Jones <laughs> contacts the Squadron Supreme Realities Rockefeller and is just like what the fuck I thought you were going to take care of them and Rockefeller's just like I have problems of my own and we find out that the that the squadron is just like going on TV and just being like yeah this whole thing is bullshit man um and yeah and so, Rockefeller looks like absolute crap in mm -hmm. when he gets contacted too which is great yeah, he's unshaven. White and, or, yeah, like, with a, with a, yeah, yeah. In his skivvies. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. And uh, Hugh Jones is like, oh, sorry, man. Uh, good luck with that, I guess. <laughs> and um, so then Jones is like, okay, it's time for our ultimate weapon, I guess. And... His weapon turns out to be Submariner villain Orca, who has been increased in size and power, but not in intellect. And uh, they are they are knocked the fuck out. Uh, the Avengers are knocked out and get hooked up to a machine. Um, uh, and, sorry. Right after they get knocked out, Thor shows up and blows a hole through a wall. And is like, I'm Thor, I'm Thor, I'm already mad at this bitch, let's fuck some shit up. And Orca's like, obliged. And <laughs> they have a fight, which is a pretty... It's actually kind of an underwhelming fight for what should... What is being described, right? Because yeah. he... Well, the first half, because it's kind of broken into two halves. The first half is just... Uh, Moondragon gets pieced pretty early. Mm -hmm. She distracts Orca. Thor hits him. Thor's like, this is not going well. Like, not, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? Uh, she distracts him with a, a mind blast. Orca's like, uses his last shred of intelligence or mind psyche and uh fights through it backhands moon dragon she goes down thor is like all right done i'm fucking done yeah. with this and puts him through the entirety of the brand corporation complex like yep i imagine that orca ends up going through several buildings uh cut to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cut to 
we Jones and Baxter are in they've got the captured Avengers hooked up to this machine that I guess is going to disintegrate them. Well, yeah, they they talk about how like once they're done, there won't even be ashes left. Right. Uh, you know, which I mean, I don't know why we didn't do this before, but okay. Also, uh, again, like with your fucking monologuing supervillain, but just do it now. You've got them all yeah. hooked up, motherfucker. Anyway, throw the switch. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is more Bond villain bullshit. Uh, but he's like, okay, well, everything seems to be under control here. I'm going to leave the room, and then you, Buzz Baxter, can take your time and throw the switch whenever you're ready. So he and leaves like, the room. He's like, I'm going to go check on the fight with Thor, because I want all of them at the same time. And it's like, why? Anyway, yeah, he like, leaves. Why, it's It seems like it would be better to just go ahead and incinerate the ones you have, <laughs> then capture Thor, then incinerate him, because then you don't run the risk that the others are going to break loose. Spoiler alert, that's what happens. And then you have to deal with all the Avengers again. But whatever. So Buzz is left there and he's just like, do, 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 starting the pre-incineration checklist. <laughs> At which point Hellcat wakes up and they have, they have their little spat during which she breaks out and like whole, takes him hostage and is like, now let them the fuck go. Um, okay, we it's s- rad. Like, yeah. here's the yeah. that, like, I, 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 I don't want to get past that. Like, not only is she like this, Patsy as a character hasn't had a whole lot to do. Um, she's had less to do in the, than Greer did before cat people uh, yeah i mean she she took out amphibian and tom thumb which amphibian you know people people downplay aquaman a lot aquaman's a bit aquaman's powerful yeah uh so amphibian is powerful and she took him down uh tom thumb okay whatever i mean he's short <laughs> like well, he's short and, I- and he's smart and she uses those awful like tether claws that they Greer look real had. weird but they're I still dumb as hell but... i love them anyway um but i mean more like as a character like as a person she hasn't had a lot to do in the story well, no, she's I, just I, been I, yeah. generally annoying at, like a pain in beast's ass and uh especially since she's shown up in this book mm-hmm. uh so the fact the part that i not only is it rad that she actually like kicks buzz's ass because mm-hmm. she but she's also like working through their divorce mm-hmm. and like the way that she's been treated by this person. And like, it's real good. It's yeah. so good. Um, I actually, you know, this, this scene actually, and her, her interactions with buzz actually kind of make me want to go back and find some of the old Patsy Walker romance comics just so that i can have some context for this sure um just because this is a this is a great wrap-up to their relationship um and uh and i 
So I kind of I kind of want to see the beginnings of that just to be able to be like, okay, well here they are in happier times, like you know. And here they um, are all the way through. Here they are when she threatens to scratch his eyes out if she if if he doesn't release the Avengers. So yeah, you know, surfing to this. That's it's the classic story. Everyone everyone knows. Yeah, you, you, you know. start out surfing and picnics and uh, bonfires. And you end up threatening to scratch each other's eyes out to free the Avengers. In a supervillain stronghold while Thor battles a giant fish man. <laughs> Speaking of the giant fish man battle, the first... Tale as old as time. <laughs> the first fish man, the first half of the fish man battle isn't very great because Thor isn't... Thor's Dude, holding back. And Thor's like, holding back and he's realizing that... Oh, is that the the second half of a, the second half of this is where we pick up with he he gets fed up. Yeah, he gets fed the fuck up, and he realizes that Moon Dragon is tactless, but she's not wholly wrong. Right. She he realizes that all this time he's while he's been on Earth he's done a lot of good, but he's. He's been fighting with one hand on his back lest he accidentally put his fist through someone's head. Right. Um, and he he's just like, you know, yeah, I'm a god. And like, so ultimately he defeats Orca, lays him the fuck out. Right. Um, Hugh, jo- <laughs> Hugh Jones sees this and is just like, Baxter, Quick, kill the Avengers! And but then it's like, oh, the Avengers are free. Fuck. So he, of course, gets arrested. Um, we get some wrap up to all of this. Thor is just like, you know, I have, I really do kind of have better things to do. Um, so this all ends with a, we need to figure out where the Avengers stand, and um. That will be next issue whenever we get around to reading that. Um, but yeah, I I like... There's a lot of this that I really like. A lot of this feels really earned. Uh, which is not always something that... It seems like it should be fairly straightforward, but sometimes like it doesn't really happen that way. We saw that... We saw that in last week's Avengers issues with that weird vignette at the end where the father kills his son and then himself, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes things just happen and you're like, "Uh, all right. Uh, But this is this is one that actually feels like, you know, yeah, this makes sense. Um, The weird thing is that, yes, it feels very earned, but I didn't feel like I was this is what I was earning as I was reading a Serpent Crown story, right? Right. You know, like, that didn't sound right. That I don't think that came off right. Because it's, I'm really happy with this ending of a story that I wasn't really enjoying that much. So right. now it kind of reconfigures the rest of the way that I looked at the, the, the parts leading up to it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying, and okay. I agree. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that generally speaking the serpent crown the serpent crown story has always left me kind of cold in terms of what actually 
happens for most of it um because i've read i've read the trade and uh i really didn't care um going back and reading this now i still don't actually care about the serpent crown no that's all bullshit um the the character beats in this though with vision and wanda and patty or patsy and buzz and uh thor and moon dragon and you know everything cap, else cap those, coming back cap coming back he and iron man just being like wow it's great being back together again like you know all of these things work it's just the overarching like serpent crown storyline i really don't give a shit so yeah oh well i enjoyed like i agree with you every all of that stuff all of those beats are good um even some of the serpents or serpent squadron supreme stuff is kind of neat and Mm -hmm. interesting but like yeah i mean previous reading this previously was enough to make me check out the the end of it, the standalone squadron supreme stuff and i just really didn't get into it at the time uh maybe i'll feel differently uh mm-hmm. when we actually get to that point if in fact we even read that in in this order but whatever uh the the squadron supreme in this was enough to get me to check out their their cool. standalone stuff so uh previously that is uh but yeah, like, like eh. I'm glad the Serpent Crown is done. Oh, <laughs> yes. So As far as a MacGuffin, it, it's not even a MacGuffin. As far as this framing element or whatever, I am so tired. Yeah. All right, let's do some Inhumans. Yeah, which this, this, this was kind of all over the place, but there was some good stuff here. Um, also, we're not reading Werewolf by Night. Uh-huh. Uh, because it isn't in the order. But I happened across some things and was like, oh, I bet Moon Knight starts to show up around here. Uh, Moon Knight's first appearance is in Werewolf by Night 23. And that's rad. And I'm going to read it because I didn't realize. And if it, based on what I'm, the order is sometimes difficult to read with these books that aren't in the actual core order. Like, where would they be? And I think it would be right around here. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Because I like um, Moon Knight when it's written by Warren Ellis. Well, and also uh, when Sinkovich was doing it. Of course, Sinkovich doing anything, I'm automatically on board. Because, right. holy shit um anyway inhumans number three is uh written by doug mensch penciled by george perez inked by mike esposito colored by petra goldberg and lettered by john costanza this is the one thing this week where i feel like uh george perez's art doesn't come off as well and that's not even anything he does it's because midway through this little stretch of inhumans we switch from george perez and to gil kane and Gil Kane's pencils are so good that I'm just like, man, I would not want to be followed by him. Like, well, and also I think 
the scan on the what we're reading isn't great um yeah. and the inking in the first two issues is not superb it's good but there are some places and some of the coloring is actually weird in some of the places too but that again that could be the scan um, yeah um but i like i said it's just it's one of those things like when i was reading these issues the first two i enjoyed the art and then i'm like uh i got to issue five and gil kane came on came on and he knocks it out of the fucking park and i'm just like oh hello oh, <laughs> and hi. that's not that's not in any way george perez's fault by any stretch um it's just like oh hi gil kane um yeah and and i mean you know like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with a young George Perez being overshadowed by a veteran Gil Kane. <laughs> like, I I don't blame him. Because if you look at Gil Kane's art in, like, uh, like, earlier DC stuff and stuff like that, like, it's not this good. This is Gil Kane, like, at the, at the heights of his power, you know? <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, so, the... There are tremors rocking the uh the hidden refuge um and so it turns out it turns out in the course of all of this that the that the cause is this um this observation post that the Cree had put in place um yeah, it's stopped. So, we find out that it it stopped sending back messages and started just it's as a signal device, it quit sending correspondence and started destroying the earth around it. Which yeah. um maybe Oops. you have a that, that's a badly designed signal device. Yeah. Uh but everybody survives their first their the the earthquake that were shown when we get there. Or when we start, uh, Black Bolt comes out of a tube. The the tower tunnel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There are so Man, many goddamn tunnels in the Great Refuge. Adelan is like, riddled with weird subterranean mess. It's yeah. just Swiss cheese under there. Uh, yeah. The eh, upshot probably. of all of this, though, is they're like, hey, maybe the Fantastic Four could help. Right. So, they, so Lockjaw shows back up. And uh, they're like, hey, now that you're here, you can take us to uh, to New York City. And Crystal's like, awesome. Let's go to New York and see the Fantastic Four. And they're like, nope, you get to stay here. So uh, they go. And there's this there's this brief little moment uh, wherein Crystal and Quicksilver are are talking. And Quicksilver is just like. It's my fault they didn't want us to come along. I'm an outsider here, and nobody really, nobody really trusts me because I'm not an inhuman. I'm a mutant, and it's like Pietro. Come on. Well, it's not. It's not that you're a mutant or an outsider. They don't trust you because you're an asshole. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> well, but they're also trying to have a pissing contest, a, a married couple pissing match, where because Crystal thinks. That they, she didn't get to go to New York because she's too young, 
and inexperienced. And it's like, you've hung out with the Avengers for like a year. Or not the yeah. Avengers, the Fantastic Four for like a year. You probably have more battle experience than anyone else in Adelan, barring Medusa. Gorgon. Yeah, Medusa. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he, no, he's just blackballed. He probably thought, he probably thought leaving two incredibly powerful mutants, a mutant and inhuman, one of which is part of the royal family behind, could, uh, you know, maintain stability in the kingdom while he was gone. <laughs> well, anyway, too bad his, <laughs> he doesn't trust you enough to bring you on the mission. We'll get yeah. there. Uh, back on the, yeah, Cree homeworld, we find out that, uh, the messaging device is messing up and that's what's causing the earthquakes, but also it's time for a three galaxies war or something. And we're going to send the, the Cree are going to send ships back to take the inhumans as war slaves and make them fight. And, uh, which is in direct like last issue it was well we need to uh activate the cap droids so that we can kill them all and now it's just like no wait we need to conscript them into our army and it's just like guys pickling um but there's this there's this Cree named falzon who's just like we we cannot do this. This is this is one of the greatest mistakes the Kree has ever made, and history will remember us poorly for it. Uh, and we just need to leave these people the fuck alone. And they're all just like, "Fuck you, old man." And uh, so, and they say we're sending Shatterstar to command this army to go pick up the Inhumans. Yeah, which I thought I thought X Forces Shatterstar has had some of the dumbest fucking costumes of all time, but this Ooh. Shatterstar actually manages to have wor- a worse costume. It's uh, it's staggering. Well, uh, it's it's in keeping with his powers, but still, come on, guys. Um, so he shows up in New York, and he's just like Inhumans, and uh, he's like. Surrender, or I'll start murdering you. And uh, it, I mean, it—it's a—it's a valid negotiate. It's a—it's a I'll start killing one hostage every hour type situation because he's yeah. like every Friend, yeah. every act of defiance, I'll kill one of you, starting with Medusa. Um, but so they start fighting. Um, and the people of New York are just like, fuck all y'all. Like, who the fuck are you that you think you're so great? And uh, and then uh, another dude shows up. Well, so when the show, ships first show up, one is firing on the other. Right. Um, they, they help this person out of their sh- shot down ship. It turns out to be Falzon, who has come to help them. Um, But they all get their asses kicked, and uh, Shatterstar is standing over Falzon and Black Bolt, uh, getting ready to execute Falzon because uh, of his treason. 
and Black Bolt because he is far too dangerous to let live. Um, and that's where we leave that issue. Uh, Inhumans number four, uh, which is inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Glynis Ween, and lettered by Irv Watanabe, uh, we pick up uh, the Inhuman royal family starts battling Shatterstar some more, uh, at which point Black Bolt and Karnak get aboard Shatterstar's ship and take over the weapon systems. Um, Black Bolt uses the ship to fire upon Shatterstar, um, at which point Falzon is, uh, just like, no, and goes running over. And we find out that Shatterstar is actually Arides, Falzon's son. And then most of the, most of the rest of this whole interaction is flashback to how Arides became Shatterstar, which is that the, the Kree... Uh, when, when Arides was born to Falzon and his wife, Murius, uh, the Kree came and collected the child in order to induct him into the Supreme Intelligence's personal forces. Yeah, security um, force. And then... Falzon and Murius were were brought in to work on a government project uh, attempting to make a Kree super soldier. Um, they succeeded in creating a device that would do so, at which point they find out that the child chosen to be turned into a super soldier is their son. The next 20 years, he is bombarded with this light energy. I mean, there, there's like... It's a... It's a combination because he was working in photometric research and she was working on like gravitons or something. And so it's the action. It's the they call it photogravitons, I think. It's photomasons, which photomasons is a thing, I think. I don't remember. My particle is a while ago. It's it's light energy. Uh, And that's why. Shatterstar's powers are light-based and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? It's all it's all soft science for he has powers now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when, after 20 years, during which time, like, emotions are bred out of him um, and stuff like that. After that's all said and done, he becomes Shatterstar, at which point Falzon is just like, oh my god, the government we work for is fucking terrible. Uh, so he and Murius decide to flee to this frontier world called Malador. Um, but they won't leave without their son. So they talk to Arides and they're like, please come with us. Um, he betrays them. Right. So they flee, but... Uh, but, of course, the Kree forces catch up with them because they flee to the world that they were going to flee to, which, good I job, guys. They, I don't think they even got off Hala because they were, they, he was like, they were running to the ship that they were going to steal. Right. Uh, Shatterstar shows up and Faison's just like, okay, fuck it. And But his wife is like, no, I'm out. Bye. She start, keeps running toward the ship and Shatterstar just immolates her um he falzon has a basically a psychic break at that point 
is captured by Shatterstar in the state and is put into a uh, reprogramming program. Re-education. Uh, Woo! Hooray. And, uh, but it doesn't really take because he was so psycho- psychologically cracked by the watching his son kill his wife that right. there was no programming that was going to stick. Right. Um, well, tells, and, and to clarify, all I was saying was they were going to flee to Malador, right. which was the original plan anyway, which it seems like the plan was doomed to fail either way, simply because if you tell your kid, we want to flee to this planet, and then he betrays you, you don't then try to flee to that planet. Yeah, especially when... You, <laughs> you make a... You change your plans. Uh, like... The Cree the Cre- Society at this point is thousands of worlds. Pick another one. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not like there's Hala, Malador, and like a shitty one. Or it, you can go to the Skrulls. Just turn yeah. state's evidence on the Skrulls. Right? That, yeah. To the Skrulls. You're, that's you're, a, co- that's a killer idea. Your government scientists... Yeah. Like go full Nazi scientist after the war and yeah. and go join the enemy and then be like, I'll work for you and take all this research and make shit for you. Like, yeah, you're Cree, but I the scrolls aren't idiots. <laughs> They'll, They'll fucking take... take you up on it. Yeah. Whatever. Um... But anyway. So he is ostensibly reintegrated, but since then he's been fighting against all of the uh, all of the shittier ideas. But ultimately, he's just like I knew when Shatterstar was uh, tapped to do this that I had to get involved. So he came to Earth to try to uh, stop Shatterstar from carrying this out. Um, and the royal family takes pity on him and they're like, listen, we have really good doctors back in Adelan. We will take you back. We can heal your son and, you know, stuff like that. So Triton makes a quick apology to the uh, to the people of New York and ever fickle. They're just like, huh, maybe they're OK. Um, maybe it's us humans who could should try being more human. It's like. Whoa. Thanks. 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 Like, we didn't need this part at all. Uh, Somebody took a semester of philosophy. Apparently. Um, The epilogue is that on the way back to Adelan, uh, Iridia, they're almost there. Iridia shoots up into the sky and is, like, trying to say something to the ship as it's coming in because she clearly knows that Black Bolt's on board um, anyway and then uh, as she's coming toward the ship she gets blasted and falls down into the mountains uh, presumed dead Shatterstar wakes up and takes his father hostage and forces the Inhumans to or forces the royal family to land the vessel in Adelan which dude they were going to do that anyway um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's like when I'm riding the bus and uh, we're approaching my stop, so I take the I take the driver hostage and demand <laughs> that he stop at the at the 
uh, sign right outside the building I need to go to. And he uh, and he was like, dude, all you have to do is pull the chain. We do this every day. Um, but yet somehow they still let me on the bus. So clearly uh, he gets off on it. So anyway, we <laughs> land in Adelan. Uh, and uh, turns out uh, that... Crystal and Pietro are terrible people to leave your government and to leave in charge of your kingdom because Maximus is broken loose and has taken control of everything. Yeah, the Inhumans have been gone for 15 goddamn minutes. It seriously is. They got teleported to New York, so that's no time. Well, well, okay. The rules on that get iffy later in the next two issues, but whatever. Um, but what? essentially, they get teleported to New York. To, 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 to New York. That's instantaneous. They had a 15, 20-minute fight, and then a 15, 20-minute flight back to... Yeah, because uh, this is a spaceship. Yeah, this no. is, this isn't This isn't, like, a domestic, you know, flight that they've, like, commandeered. <laughs> this is a spaceship capable of traveling vast interplanetary different distances. It probably took maybe 20 minutes yeah. we'll say we'll say we'll say piling aboard uh <laughs> starting it up and like uh giving directions and flying there all took 20 minutes maybe yeah and <clears throat> so it's literally they've been gone less than an hour and in that time crystal and pietro have lost control of the great refuge to maximus who and was in like, prison when they left yeah like so in less than an hour maximus has been able to free himself and enslave free himself beat crystal and pietro with just a smattering of like degrade inhumans and mm-hmm. enslave the entire kingdom yeah because like Again, it's the it's the same dudes as always. And as we find out later, they were being controlled or whatever. Okay, Just stop like... putting these people in p- positions of authority. Uh, but like, I really, literally... you really have to be like, uh, okay, Stellior, Lionos, uh, Lionus, um, Leonis, uh, Ario. Ario, Ario is the, the best because his power is literally, I can float. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, Good okay, job, sorry bro. guys, you three, um, you gotta go to prison. Like, like I, okay. I mean, I mean like, the first the first time you're like, okay, you've fallen in with a bad crowd, but you don't you don't then you don't then make Stallior the dude who's guarding the dude he used to work <laughs> for. You don't put Leonis on border patrol. You you may you send them to work at the at the subway in the royal palace like yep. you know congratulations Stalior you're now a sandwich artist Ario you get to flip a sign out front Leonis you clean the bathrooms <laughs> that congratulations way, that way the worst that happens if Maximus gets out is that he takes over the subway. Like yeah, that's which <laughs> I mean on, honestly might be better. Dang. Like yeah, but no, might. might he might be able to bring some serious change to that franchise. And maybe and maybe that will be Maximus's 
way back into way back into in human society because if he takes over the subway and he makes it better and like increases revenue while keeping costs down and the sandwiches are better than they've ever been then maybe someone could be like you know maybe he should be running things like <laughs> Give him a chance to prove himself, goddammit. <laughs> but at the very least, you do not put all of his underlings, like... In positions that lead directly you, to... Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't make Ario chief of the secret police. You don't make... Like, why? But whatever. So, uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with Inhumans number five. <laughs> Hulu's good opens. <laughs> no, it's it's Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. Uh, but did you see yeah. the, did you see the Netflix US Twitter account's response? <laughs> okay. I did not see that. <laughs> they basically were like, okay, we'll get right we promise not to make any more. <laughs> it was it was really good. Yeah, because uh Christian outrage, let me tell you. It's real fun. I, uh, I I try not to be that atheist. I try not. Oh, to Oh no be no! I I really that don't atheist. The big to like, but calling stupid stupid's fine. Yeah no. Uh anyway okay. In, Comics. Inhumans number five. Uh is penciled by Gil Kane and colored by Don Warfield. Um, so the Inhuman. <laughs> Royal family touches down in the Great Refuge, uh, and Maximus is like, "Ha ha!" Um, Maximus is like, so, "Ha ha!" Uh, and basically puts them to an ultimatum that's like, "Surrender, or I use this giant cannon to kill Pietro and Crystal right now, mm-hmm. and then I'll start shooting at you." Um, yeah, and Blackbolt eventually just acquiesces because he can't well yeah there's a there's a whole lot of the inhuman royal family being like no we've got to fight them no we can't because they'll kill and then black bolt just holds out his arms right um which and gorgon loses his shit like they're trying to do this characterization of gorgon that he's an honor bound hothead sort of Mm -hmm. thing and it doesn't really work um, because he, he comes off more annoying than anything else. And also, the other thing I don't like but they're, that they're doing with Gorgon in these two issues, or four issues, is they're, like, making, or actually even the whole series so far, is they're making him, like, question Black Bolt all the time. Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And it's really annoying because I don't, that isn't what he should do, right? Well, not Not just... To- not just that it's bad for the story because it bogs it down and makes it slow. It just yeah. it's bad. It's a bad character. Like he's not well, helping at all. No, he is not. the 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 problem The problem with the whole hothead character type is that at a certain point they have to move beyond that, and certain certain things do that really well. Um, like uh. One thing that one thing that Casey Casey and I have been watching with Moira 
the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And that's something they did with Raphael really, really well, is that at the at the beginning of the show, he is, you know, constantly questioning Leo and constantly uh, acting against orders and things like that. And it's not that his personality necessarily changes or he does, he, he loses his temper. Well, let me rephrase that. His temper goes away. Uh, it's that he, you know, time passes and he becomes, he trusts, he comes to trust his leader. Right. And that has yet to happen with Gorgon and it's really annoying because and I, like I understand this is issue 5 and maybe we're doing a long haul and we think we're going to get more than 12 issues out of this but at the same time God it's humans have been around for a while and he's like, never been this way before that's right. the thing that's annoying he's been ar- they, the inhumans have been around since 1964 mm-hmm. and he's never been like this it's always been if Black Bolt's around, which... He's always been impetuous. Right. And he's always been, like... Quick to Very, act. like, stomp-first-ass questions later. As, but but he always was everyone like, Black Bolt always says... defers to Black Bolt. Right. That is the way it has always been. And I'm not... And if it were to... If it had been, this were the fifth issue of Inhumans, and they had never appeared previously... That would be different. then that would be fine. Yeah. Like that would be a perfectly okay characterization because you have nothing else to base it on. But the fact that you have a wealth of appearances to draw upon and he's never been like this and suddenly he suddenly he's questioning Black Bolt left, right, and center, you just have to be like, dude, what the fuck? Have yeah. you read any of these before? <sighs> Um, all right. But yeah, so, so Lockjaw yes. positions himself between uh, Triton and Karnak and teleports them away. They are then gone for nine days, <laughs> falling through this extra dimensional void. Um, I feel like maybe, so generally speaking, Lockjaw's teleportation is shown to be sight to somewhat sight. instantaneous. Right. And I wonder if maybe that's just because he's a dog. And, like, uh, the he usually has someone telling them, we need to go to New York or we need to blank. Sure. Uh, and so he winds up doing that and it's much more direct and controlled whereas here he's just kind of like bark (laughs) and like teleports them and it's just kind of like maybe we'll wind up somewhere useful uh so they're gone for nine days during which time the inhuman royal family is uh jailed black bolt is strung up by chains to die he is left without food and water um, and uh, forced to watch as the uh, people of the Great Refuge start constructing an, a space arc. Ultimately, what's going to happen here is, uh, is that Shatterstar is going to take all of the 
uh, useful in humans and uh, take them to go fight for the Kree and Maximus will be left with the rest to rule over in the Great Refuge. It seems really odd that Maximus is okay with ruling over the Kree's cast-offs, but whatever, he agrees he, to it. He's also so clearly nuts. Like Yeah, so I well and you know He doesn't have a plan after this. Like he li- he needs to get to rule and then after that he doesn't know what he wants. For for our listeners, we were talking after the after we cut on the first part of the episode where wherein like it's really impressive what Maximus does in the 45 minutes the Inhumans are away because in the course of this we find out from Iridia that there was a flash of light that fell upon Leonis he was then uh, he was then taken over he stumbles his way down to the cell where Maximus is locked up the light then takes over Stalior as well. They free Maximus. Maximus then proceeds to take over the Great Refuge. But again, this all happens in 45 minutes. Yeah, and all the uh, the Maximus proceeds to take over the Great Refuge, that's all off-page. We don't yeah. see any of those other 40 minutes, wherein presumably... Well, he definitely has to fight and subdue Crystal and Quicksilver with the D-list Inhumans that he has with him. That, And he clearly does it. Holy shit. Maybe he... So JR say arguing that maybe Maximus should be given a chance. <laughs> I mean, the guy can clearly get shit done. Not only that, but like he has announced his takeover to the people of Adelan. Had... Crystal and Quicksilver strung up in the square and like all of this Maximus is not Maximus is a long-winded dude so you have to figure a good 20 25 minutes of that 45 minutes that the royal family was gone was him being like people of Adelan I Maximus your intended ruler have taken over once again. Let me lead you into a go, you know, and yeah. so on and so forth. So, damn, dude. But uh, so Karnak and uh, Triton tumble through the uh, the extra dimensional void until coming out nine days later, where they meet up with Iridia who's hanging out in a cave with what remains of the free inhumans. Um, she tells them about what happened with Leonis and all that shit that we just covered. Um, at which point they make their move. So Triton, Triton. Yeah. Triton's sorry. immediately like, wait a minute. You're right. Uh, the only, the only thing strong enough to beat Shatterstar is himself. There's yeah. no one else has it equal. And, Triton's like, sweet, I got an idea. And he goes, grabs a uh, sled, a sky sled, and gets, and he tells Karnak to get, he tells Karnak to get Lockjaw to teleport the two of them, Karnak Karnak and Lockjaw, to where uh, Gorgon and Medusa are being held. Triton's on the ball. Like, I like this. Triton gets 
Triton gets a bad rap, I think, because he has because he's a he's the he's the water hero of this group and they always get a bad rap uh and b he's just kind of green and weird looking and he doesn't look like he's got much going on but he's the most low-key of the inhuman royal family but he's on the ball he's not flashy no he's on the ball here and i remember i think it was an issue of avengers with the inhumans in it some time ago uh where he, there's a chase through an alleyway, he like he comes up out of he's badass in that too. Triton mm-hmm. Triton gets a bad rap. Um, yeah, he goes out and basically goads Shatterstar into chasing him and is like, mm-hmm. "Come get me, come get me, you asshole!" Mm-hmm. Uh, takes him on a merry chase through the palace, eventually ending in uh, one of the throne rooms, I guess. And it's has him gets him to shoot at the mirror of eternity, which I it's a thing that I don't remember. And the this is like it's I don't know I I don't think it's something that's ever shown up before. But they got a lot of weird shit. Uh, yeah. The blast he dodges the blast, hits the mirror, bounces back, and basically vaporizes Shatterstar. Uh, yeah, and. So he's gone. Meanwhile, the Inhum or Karnak and Lockjaw managed to free Medusa and Gorgon and some other Inhumans. So they're starting to take over, and everything's going well. Uh, Shatterstar's gone. Everybody's free. It's all coming down. But throughout the entire issue, and this is most of it actually, the action is everything that we talked about. But the rest of it is. Black Bolt, Black Bolt is losing. Like, yeah. he's been able to withstand this torture for the nine days previous, but it's it's becoming too much. Not only well, because everybody has their limit. Everybody has their limit. Like, but like he's not only for the previous time it looked you know something could have happened, but now he's seeing the arc ships almost done. The people that he was supposed to protect and serve uh, as their ruler are now being herded into it like everything's gone to shit he doesn't know where any of the rest of the family is he has seen nobody and Mm -hmm. at the end all of that breaks him and at the end of this issue he screams and Mm -hmm. that's the end of the issue we don't get to see what happens it's fucking rad these these issues are I this is the Inhumans that I enjoy. It's so this much is, better. Yeah, like issue one and two with the cap droids and all of that. I'm like, oh okay. my god, more of this shit. But like, even even the stuff with Shatterstar, his costume is terrible. But like, there's a lot of really interesting character work going on in that. Sure. Um, but these issues actually like. I if you want to actually read some good inhuman shit, like this would be where I like you got to read their first appearances and stuff like that. Skip over their appearances in what was it Amazing Adventures and then pick up with this because yeah, this is really fucking good. He just right. he breaks and it's just like he screams no and 
the inhuman royal family they're like oh my god what is he and yeah it's it's great um so in so six number six is inked by frank chiaramonti colored by phil rachelson and lettered by gaspar saladino and denise wall i assume that means gaspar saladino looked at the page at one point um <laughs> No, that's that's not fair. A lot of the time that he's credited on the wiki, it's it's because he's, uh, yeah, and so, uh, so we're we're left. There's not a ton that happens in this issue, but it's really good. Um, the the great refuge comes tumbling down. Oh, um, it is destroyed. Like, we're yet again reminded why Black Bolt never... Like, I first... When I first started in 5, I was like, well, just just blow his ass away if you're tired of listening to him. And it's like... Mm -hmm. And all we would have... He would just whisper and be able to just maybe localize that. But after he screams, Mm -hmm. the whole place is gone. It's yeah. toast. I, I get the feeling that there is not a lot left. Um, yeah. And he begins, he frees himself, manages to not die as he falls, uh, and then goes into what's left of the palace and makes it fairly clear that he needs to be left alone. Like, well, because uh, on well, his way in, Gorgon's giving him shit. Well, which, like he again. just he also just found out that if he could have held on for another five minutes, it, it would have been fine. Yeah. But he couldn't. And that's that's I mean, no, I can't I, blame him. <laughs> no, but if he would have if he would have held he finds out if he would have held on. So now he's got even more guilt and he's got Gorgon all the way up his ass. And so he goes inside Gorgon continues to just beat that drum until Medusa And I goes, love Medusa in this. She's just like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. And it is lays into his ass. And it's it's this really it's really, really well written because you can tell that it's not only is it she's right, but she's also she's close to losing it too. Mm-hmm. Like this is not only this isn't an, a, just a logical philosophical argument she's having with him about what why what he's doing is not only incorrect but unhelpful. She's also like about I, ready to rip his head off. She's about ready like, to rip his head off because he's taken out all his bullshit on the man she loves, and like this is so good. Yeah, I. I it's this, res- it's this entire this entire exchange. I'm like ready. I know it's not going to happen because I know Gorgon <laughs> survives, but I'm just, I'm like Medusa is literally on the verge of whipping out that hair and just pulling Gorgon in half. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, you know. well, no, just one strand, just like she just loses it. And like a lock goes out and just plucks his head right off. Right. And Um, like, she is that fucking close. Like one more word, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, And it's fantastic. And it's really only brought to a halt when black bolt comes back out with a scroll and is like, Hey, collapse. 
Yeah, and he passes out, and they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, he oh, hasn't right. eaten or had anything to drink. And so all, all previous arguments are immediately dropped. They pick him up, they take him over, they get him some food and water, and then Medusa starts reading what Black Bolt has written down. And, Which apparently, uh, this... like, the thing that I liked was right before she starts, there's a editor's note or not in it there's a narration box somewhere that's like he doesn't even do this that often where he will write down proclamations and have one of the other royal family read them to the rest of the kingdom he doesn't even do that that often which i was like that's an interesting choice because i would be doing that all the time but maybe it's seen as weakness so or maybe there's know. danger that someone would misread his words. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's it's an really hard choice. to say. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, so but, she reads and is like, or, go ahead. Uh, you know, a lot of this is talking about how, about his actions and about how he's, um, what is it? Uh, he has uh the thrust of it is they're going to um they're going to be taking uh what remains of uh of the space arc and using it to uh to travel out so this is what he says. He says, This stylus I now hold in my hand shall be my only voice. Hear the words I cannot speak, but can only convey to you through Medusa. Look around you at the ruins of our once proud city, and you will know in sorrow why this must be so. You will know why my heart aches within me and beats in shame over my continued life. I blame no one but myself for this destruction of Adelan, and many are the reasons I must assume this blame. No one better knows the power of my voice, and no one better knows that the power power must remain forever silent. I forget at this point whether or not they've actually revealed that he he killed his parents the first time he spoke. I think uh, so. I for yeah, but uh, I lacked faith in the other members of the royal house. They succeeded where I failed, and yet I acted. I acted hastily and in weakness, and too harshly. The result is tragically evident. Therefore, I renounce your faith in me as an infallible leader, and I urge you never to reconsider my status as same. Also, I confess uncertainty and even fear regarding our future. I know very little concerning the intentions of the Kree. I only know that we shall never be safe from the Kree as long as we remain on Earth. Therefore, you are free to rebuild Adelan if you wish, and if you are willing to risk further resistance against further future Cree emissaries such as Shatterstar. However, such a reconstruction could well be a wasted effort of monumental proportions, since I and the other members of the Royal House will soon use Shatterstar's rebuilt space arc to leave you for a time unknown. We shall use the craft to search the cosmos for a habitable world on which we may base a new home, beginning with the pioneer planet of Malador on the advice of our new friend from the Cree homeworld, Falzon. Um, I can say nothing more to you. I can only beg your forgiveness for what I have done and urge you again to reconsider my position as your leader. 
Right now I am only Black Bolt, a king of nothing but ruins and homeless subjects, and I am profoundly sorry. Um, <clears throat> and there is a moment of quiet during which everyone ponders what he has just written, uh, at which point they all start break out to break out cheering uh, and proclaiming him their king. Um, this is then interrupted by Maximus, who's just like, ha ha, I still have a gun. Um, but he's quickly dealt with. I mean, like, this is this is a brief interruption. And um, it's a brief interruption. And also the, the the only cool parts of the fight, really, because they're so outmatched now. That, oh, yeah. Now that like the the royal family is here and they're all pissed and free. Like, and he the, still just has like Stalior and Leonis. It, it's like, and th yeah, those are his heavy hitters. No, <laughs> uh, and Ariel, the floating man. <laughs> Black Bolt. The cool part is Black Bolt just unhinge, right? Yeah, he just lets go and just knocks these motherfuckers on their ass. Well, I love, um, he does a full-blown, like, thunderclap and yeah. just knocks them all down. And he, um, the thing that's cool, like, the way that it's, the narration boxes are, say something to the effect of him, it's, it's, now it's just rage. And not even, like, kingly determination. Like, that, he's already in his mind, regardless of what the people have said, he's given up that post. Um, yeah. And he'll get you know, that is an argument. For right now, he's given up that post. We'll get back to that later. But in, he's saying in his head. But he... So this is just rage and something to hit. And he needs... And then he's going to go get some food and take a nap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, like... So they're quickly dealt with. Uh, little weird epilogue is essentially... the The ship's getting built... Anybody who wants on, it's coming, um, which I guess is the entire population. And uh, he is still wondering and speculating about what they're going to find out in the cosmos. And I'm like, the last three pages of this are not super necessary. Well, I it's a nice it's a nice little end to this this issue. With him just looking up at the stars. Right. Um, you know, and kind of pondering what's going to happen next. Um, right. Which actually kind of, I mean, this whole thing just kind of leaves me like, okay, I kind of want to read more and see sure. where we go. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is, for a while now, when the Inhumans... It's it's been one of those things that when the Inhumans used to show up, I'm like, yay, Inhumans, and then it just became like, oh god, okay, and then there yeah. was that whole thing in Amazing Adventures where it's you know, uh, Black Bolt by way of Charlie Chaplin's The Kid, and I just I'm it's like it's like there's a point at which. My my cautious optimism about uh, the Inhumans changed to uh, weary resignation, right? And uh, 
this has this has kind of uh brought me back from the brink of that like i'm 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 back on board with inhumans again right so i can't wait to see how they fuck that up um marvel team up (laughs) number 38 uh is written by mill bill bill mantlo Penciled by Sal Bashima, inked by Mike Esposito and Dave Hunt, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Gaspar Zaladino and Karen Mantlo. Uh, so Spider-Man's out swinging around when a dude literally falls out of the sky. <laughs> um, Spider-Man saves him, but like in trying to do so, his web line keeps like missing or not adhering or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's raining too. Is, so is part of his excuse. It winds up he's able to we- get one to attach to the smokestack of a boat, but then they wind up slamming into the side of it and go in the water. Uh, when they come out, um, they are they are pull they are assisted out by beast. Um, it's in the course of this we find out the scientist was the one that turned random asshole into the Griffin back when Beast was appearing in Amazing Adventures. Um, The Griffin went from being angry about what he was to mutating further and just being like, fuck it, I'm awesome now. Uh, So he breaks out, but he, uh, he wants revenge on the Secret Empire. So he finds the scientist. The scientist tries to explain to him, those dudes have been gone for a while. Um, At which point Griffin's just like, oh, well, and like flies him up into the sky and lets him go, which brings us up to the present. Um, Oh, Griffin's got a tail now. Yeah, he has a tail. Woohoo. I really don't care about these issues. It's whatever. Um, So Beast and Spider-Man... Be, or fight the griffin it bounces around you find out he has the power to control anything that flies i don't recall him having had that previously but fuck it he didn't so, have the tail either <laughs> yeah uh he he it's spider-man and beast versus griffin and his army of seagulls they end uh, up they end up everybody ends up on the brooklyn bridge uh beast and spider-man finally take out griffin the thing they should have done in the first five minutes yeah Uh, this should have been griffin over and the stinger on this is some lady gets out of her car and is bitching about how Spider-Man and Beast fighting Griffin on the bridge is what caused all the traffic, but then her driver gets comes up and is like, "Actually, ma'am, it's us. Our tires bit flat. We were we were the cause of the hang-up." And she's like, "Okay, whatever." She fires him. Spider-Man webs her into place. She's like, "Driver, help me!" And he's like, "You fired me." It's a really random and unnecessary eat the rich ending. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong, like eat the cool. rich, eat the rich, but it's <laughs> just like this woman has never been seen before. Um, yeah, 
And so there was no setup for this. It was literally just her being like, I say. And then, like, she gets fucked over. And then, yeah, that's it. Anyway, uh, Marvel Team Up number 39. This I care about even, even less. Because uh, at least Beast is fun. Johnny, Johnny Storm is rarely fun. Um, I'm sorry. I've said it. That's my hot take. So, Johnny, whatever. But, like, the the villains in this, I don't care. The next, we'll get to that. Marvel Team Up number 39 is written by Bill Mantlo with uh, Spanish translations by Evie Perez uh, and colored by Don Warfield. So, Spider-Man meets a young boy named Mosquito who uh, trains pigeons Somebody sneaks up on him, tries to shoot him, but winds up only hitting one of the pigeons, and we care because... Um, we care because Mosquito cares. That's So, I don't care at all. No. Uh, <laughs> fuck that flying rat. Anyway, um, so, the then the Human Torch is out flying the Fantastic Car, uh, which winds up being lassoed, which... Then it, that that car is hardly fantastic, but uh, <laughs> whatever. No, so this just breaks physics, like yeah. Cause, so uh, so he find the fantastic car levels itself, um, which of course it does now because uh, Nick Fury fucked with them, um, but he goes down and finds out that it's Montana. Well, the fantastic car has to write itself because. I don't think there has ever been a flight in the Fantastic Car where the Fantastic Four remained in it the entire time (laughs) and arrived at their destination safely. (laughs) Like, it's always, it's, it's like, it's like the, uh, it's like. No, it's like, uh, it's subway travel in New York. Like you're taking your life and going to the Savage Land. It's it's the X Men going to the Savage Land. Oh yeah, they go to the Savage Land. the The X Jet gets shot out of the sky, or crashes, or blows up, or, or is whatever. Consumed by the island, like <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so, Spider Man then follows some goons. They start carrying around this coffin, which it turns out is a glass coffin that has the Human Torch in it. Uh, Human Torch uh, is like Spider-Man poses as one of the as one of the random assholes gets close enough and lets Human Torch out. It turns out that they're going to sell the Human Torch to the highest bidder so that they can do whatever they want with them. Which I mean like you have to you have to assume some of them want to kill him. Some of them probably want him as a trophy in their living room. And probably one or two of them have some weird sex stuff in mind. Yeah. Um, but so Spidey gets close enough, smashes the glass, Human Torch gets out. Uh, the Enforcers are back, but who gives a shit because it's the Enforcers. Um, and uh, they, the big man is here even though Frederick Foswell was the big man and he died. But then at the end, they, 
the crime master shows up with Sandman, but oh, the crime master had died too, so who's who knows what's going on? Nobody, but also who gives a shit? Marvel team up number forty is colored by Janice Cohen. Um, there's a big, there's a whole big to do between crime master and the Sandman, uh, and the forces of the big man and the enforcers whatever who gives a shit in the middle of all of this the I human love, torch i love that there's so there's basically a three-way fight or there's there should be a four-way fight right the sandman and the crime master big man and enforcers uh spidey and torch and then like the rest of the mob and yeah. all the mob dudes are like fuck bye yeah uh, this is way not worth my time we're out yeah um and then so like uh in the course of this we pick up the uh the the sons of the dragon which these fucking kung fu books so there's master of kung fu then there's deadly hands of kung fu which the sons of the dragon appear in uh the thing about it is they only appear in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, generally speaking. And unlike Shang-Chi and Iron Fist, they don't really survive this particular uh, craze. So we haven't been reading them at all. Uh, no. And I don't really give it... It's a it's a it's an ethnically diverse group of Kung Fu people with like a whole love triangle going on that is a incredibly obvious and B does not matter in the least. Um, so they deal with part of this at which point the torch is just like, look, I'm done. You, you have some new people to team up with. My part of this is over. So I'm out. Or he's um, also like, I got a date. Bye. Yeah. And yeah, he's, and Spider-Man's like, well, but... Yeah. So, the Sons of the Dragon go back to their thing, and Spider-Man goes back to his thing. But it's not over, because... Ugh, whatever. Who cares? The the big man, it turns out, is the daughter of Frederick Foswell. The Crime Master, it turns out, is the son of Crime Master. They had met and fallen in love and wanted revenge so the crime master had tried to do so not realizing that she was going to do the same thing crime master shoots big man and then is left crying over her corpse as spider-man and the sons of the dragon are just left standing there going wow this is um this is really awkward um yeah and then end of issue who gives a shit and we never have to see the sons of the dragon again i hope <laughs> moving on Yep. Fantastic Four number 164 is uh is written by Roy Thomas, uh penciled by you guessed it George Perez, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by John Costanza. Um so we find out a couple of things here at first. Number 1, uh <laughs> anyone who follows me on Twitter, uh I oh, yeah. I we find out that um, apparently people in the 70s, there was a rule that said you had to dress yourself by having a blind rodeo clown shotgun your clothes onto you. 
because Johnny shows up in the ugliest fucking like, look, there are some terrible fashion choices going on here, but at least some of them uh, make sense. Like some of them you're like, okay, not what I would have picked, but at least there's some like cooperation between the colors here. But Johnny, Johnny is wearing like a leather vest with like an SS style JS on it. And fringe. Um, with fringe. A, some stripy bell bottoms. That are like, yellow, orange. Right. Stripes. And, and then, then the shirt. Yeah. It's, it's, oh my God. I, it's. It this this panel, this panel needs to be tried at the Hague for crimes against color, because I. Ugh. And you anyway. have to imagine somebody, somebody saw, somebody dressed like this, yeah, on purpose, and yeah, was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to use that he that looks like a cool dude. I'm going to use That's that. That's the for way Johnny. young people dress now. <laughs> well, and George Perez was young at this point, so he was just like, yeah, man, that's a happening outfit. But the more important thing we find is that yes. as a result of the uh thunderhorn in the previous storyline, Sue's powers have gotten stronger. It's interesting so that Sue's powers are getting stronger just as uh, Reed is going through a bit of a midlife crisis with his powers. That, that's what I was about to say. Hers are waxing and his are waning. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I I like it. But it's also, it's also kind of an interesting commentary on the on the women's lib movement in that like oh. she's gaining power only as he's losing his and it's just kind of like that's not the way it works yeah. anyway um uh, she, so johnny like i really hope that's not intentional because yeah uh, uh, yeah no i i <laughs> i i noticed this because you know it you, you look at you look at like the reactions of feminism that are going to feminism that are going on now where it's just like grr white men no longer have all the power except we actually do but now we're being made to feel bad about it um anyway the the upshot of all of this is that uh johnny has a date with a woman named frankie um but she doesn't know that he's the human torch so he's just going as himself um apparently we find out through conversation reed has developed a special spray that will turn any clothes into clothes that survive him flaming on um but he goes to meet her they're hanging out when suddenly there is a bright flash of light and suddenly this dude the crusader appears above or appears on top of the uh, pseudo Arc de Triomphe in Washington Square Park. The thing about there are a whole lot of things going on with this. Number one, uh, this is the first appearance of the Quantum Bands. He's wearing I Quantum so. Bands that later Quasar and yada yada yada. Yeah. Additionally, this uh, 
So there is a character from the 50s called Marvel Boy. Yes. Who in the modern age is a member of the agents of Atlas along with Jimmy Woo and Venus and the gorilla, whatever the gorilla was. I don't know. I forget what all. Um, But so there's that. However, uh, this is a your so okay. Marvel Boy went with his dad to Uranus, uh, where they encountered a an offshoot of the Eternals. Um, those Eternals sent uh, Bob Grayson back to Earth as Marvel Boy. However, they also grew a replacement just in case. That is what it is encountered here. It thinks it's Bob Grayson, but in fact, Bob Grayson is still fucking off back to um, Uranus currently. But we don't, like, this is all stuff that's been layered on top (laughs) of all of this after the fact. Like, yeah. So the Crusader shows up and he kills this dude, Calvin McClary, seemingly. Um, He thinks he does. Uh, but Human Torch tries to fight him, but is blinded. Uh, Frankie flips the fuck out. No, like, her mind breaks. Like, not only because the Crusader is here and, like, wrecking shop, but also the dude she thought she was, the regular-ass dude she thought she was on a date with bursts into flames and tries to fight him. And then loses. Um, yeah, she's... She looks like she's gone catatonic. Well, so here's here's a fun bit of explanation. So Frankie here is just like, ah, mind broken. Um, over the course of things we find out later on, this is all spoilerific, so if you don't want to know, don't fucking, li- I don't know, don't listen. Uh, <laughs> Frankie, as we find out later, is pyrophobic. Uh, the reason for that is because her dad was Phineas Horton, the creator of the android Human Torch. Ooh. While she was a child, he accidentally did something that gave her flame powers. Uh, but he wound up using post-hypnotic suggestion to not only remove the memory of her powers from her, but also to make her afraid of fire so that she wouldn't accidentally discover them. In point of fact, this all comes out. She winds up becoming uh, Nova, the uh, the um, Herald of Galactus for a while. Oh, cool. So that's why that happens. But anyway, right now she's just like, ah. Um, so Johnny fails. Uh, the dude, the crusader blinds him and then throws a chunk of road at the dude, seemingly killing him. Um, but Johnny is able to create a fantastic four signal, uh, at which point his flame sputters out and he starts to fall. Um, the others see it and are like, oh God, Johnny, at which point Reed stretches out, um, and catches him. But uh, they both kind of fall. Um, it's it's really weird the way this works because they fall onto what appears to be a rooftop, but then when you see them, they are on 
the street. Um, so that happens. <laughs> Sue and Ben then ride Reed's legs to the scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Um, the the uh, the rest of the Fantastic Four fucks off back to the Baxter Building while Reed then turns into Stiltman and walks his way uh, to find out what's going on. There is actually, the last panel is really cool because it's got kind of a Venetian line thing going on with Crusader against a panel of Reed walking high over the city. It's really cool and way to go, George Perez. Um, so then in Fantastic Four number 165, the Crusader has been wreaking havoc on the uh, bank that this guy, Calvin uh, McClary, used to work for. Used to run. Um, used to No, ran. yeah, used to work still for, now, yeah, something. Still runs, I guess, or whatever. But uh, the upshot of all of this is, so McLaren is still alive. Um, but Crusader does not realize that otherwise they say at one point it's a good thing he doesn't because otherwise he'd be tearing up a hospital right um so uh they the fantastic four go after crusader when he appears at another bank they haven't been able to catch him in the act yet and reed managed to set up but reed realized there was like trace um radiation left at each of the attack sites yeah he's so been he... collecting bricks from each attack <laughs> so he sets up a uh some sort of detection net that will detect that radiation when it first appears at one of the banks it does they all head out to face him it goes fairly poorly for a while yeah until... they they lose yeah they don't um, well until Crusader and Bo- and Bobby Johnny. No, that's end up... the next time Crusader shows up. The first time he shows up in this issue, they out and out lose against him, as I recall. Um, no, that's not right. I think no. They don't... This is all a single fight. My bad. It's okay, all one sorry. fight. Yeah. So and they're it's not going great until Crusader and Johnny end up on top of the roof of the bank, and then. This whole time, Crusader's been talking about how what he's doing is justice, not punishment. And he ends up telling Johnny the whole story about Uranus and coming back and forth between here and and there and being Marvel Boy and then finding all of Uranus destroyed and uh, all of that stuff. Finally, Johnny's like, this guy needs a doctor, not a (laughs) prison cell. And Ben didn't hear a lot of that so he comes up and decides to punch him in the head uh more fight eventually johnny eventually he ends up pushing every he pushes his powers with the quantum bands too far well he hold on incinerates himself or what am i skipping you're well so okay so in the course of this we find out he had attempted to come back 
to secure a loan to buy medical supplies oh, yeah. to take back to Uranus. Uh, but Calvin had turned him down, and that's why he'd attempted to kill Calvin. Uh, in the course of the fight, he tries to do the whole blinding thing, but the Fantastic Four, or the three that are there, are wearing special contact lenses that prevent that. So he's like, that's fine. I have other powers. Um, Reed shows up. Um, so in the course of the fight, he takes it to the to-, to the roof of the bank. And it's because his powers are solar powered. Right. Reed shows up and proceeds to create cloud cover, which Sue holds in place. That cloud cover eventually burns off, but uh, at that point, the bands start absorbing too much solar radiation or solar power, and that's what causes them to overload and incinerate Crusader. The bands are left, like just laying there, but Crusader is gone. Um, and, and then it there's says the whole they're thing. broken. Uh, well, yeah, they're see- they're seemingly broken, but they'll show up later. It's fine. Um, then there's another random eat the rich ending where the bank manager comes out and he's like, arrest the guy who did this. And they're like, but he's dead. And he's like, I don't care. Do it anyway. So Ben literally like makes a money snowman out of the dude and tells anyone, (laughs) tells everyone at the bank, like, if you dig him out before close of business today, I'm going to come back and fuck you up. And they're just like, yes, sir. (laughs) So, whatever. Again, fuck the rich. And, you know, again, cool. Um, So, yeah. Let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back with some uh, Daredevil and Marvel. But, yeah, I've been, like... I was trying to figure out how to uh, mount this on the wall so that it could be like... Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So let's talk about Daredevil if we must. I really... These issues are so dumb. Um, Daredevil number 126 is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Jansen, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. There's a lot that happens in these because we introduce Heather who becomes a love interest for Matt. But I... I, so, have, I have Heather... I have Heather thoughts. <laughs> I was I was looking at it real quick. I was looking at it because I'm like, she's crazy. And he had a thing with Typhoid Mary, didn't he? Is she going to be Typhoid Mary? But this is way too early for that. But no, actually, she's just crazy. Uh, she dates him, then she dates Tony Stark, then she commits suicide. <laughs> like, that is literally, that is the sum total of her wiki page, is just, she she dates a, an alcoholic Tony Stark after this, uh, and then literally all, that's, all that it says after that is, Heather wound up committing suicide. Whee! So anyway, what are your Heather thoughts? For the listener, I just had a roller coaster uh, (laughs) of body movements. Like, a lot happened in my head, and none of it was audible. Uh, (laughs) Let's let's wait 
let's wait until we get there so that I can recollect myself. Uh, we start out with yeah. Daredevil <laughs> swinging around New York, uh, enticing uh, horny housewives, and he swings over uh, Central Park. Damn, you broke me. And uh, <laughs> swings over Central Park, and we see Foggy trying to do a campaign uh, speech for his reelection to district attorney. A job I gather he doesn't really want, but feels honor yeah, bound I to keep. I don't really know why, because he's not happy in all At of this. All like he doesn't want to be DA. Like because yeah. he wants to be. He wants to do the DA part of DA, but he doesn't like any of this political crap, and he's not good at it. Uh, yeah, and so it's like, why bother? He so all? he's given a speech, and it seems fine. And f- somebody out of the audience is a rude bastard, and just asks him about his his fiance Deborah Harris was a wasn't she a convicted criminal? And he's like, uh, he just has nothing for that and daredevil's like um i don't think he should have like oh yeah no if he had a competent campaign manager which there's lots of hints that he doesn't um but if he had a competent campaign manager they'd be like we need to get out in front of this now like yeah you need to not you you not that you need to be ready to ask or answer that question you need to have answered it already um yeah and daredevil smartly one of the few times I'm gonna say that uh, is like, mm, I really feel bad for Foggy right now, but I do not think Daredevil showing up to try to save his day is gonna be a help. So I'm just gonna go. He swings off, and we cut to this man named I don't remember. Rec- Bob. It's not what's his name or Brock. Brock, Brock Jones. Brock Jones, who apparently was a super sto- or Super Bowl winning quarterback not three years ago, but he quit the NFL to or AF one of them. He quit because they would. Oh yeah, no, they would have combined by now. He quit the NFL to go be the vice president of an insurance company, and I'm like, you just don't know how. To- this is bad branding. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and he, you should be able to live off. I won a Super Bowl for at least five years, man. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you know, doing commercials, yeah. doing. I mean, sports commentary. I'd imagine would have oh, been a sure. That's yeah, easy. I mean, um, I mean, s- shit. If if uh, what's his name, Terry. Oh God, I should know his name. Bald white guy, yeah. Terry. It's not Bruckheimer. <laughs> it's. Terry. I keep wanting to say either Cruz or. Um... No. No, I know it's not Terry Cruz. Uh, Terry. <laughs> Terry Cruz is actually cool. Uh... Well, yeah. <laughs> Dumb bald Terry. Uh, Terry. Fucking. Bradshaw? Bradshaw. Bradshaw. And also, I really don't want to spend ten minutes on who is Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> um, uh, but if, if, yeah, he can if he can turn a it. mediocre to good 
football career into 35 years of television, I think this asshole I should be this able guy to could do something. Yeah. Anyway, so he hates his life, is essentially... He doesn't like working at the... Or being a figurehead vice president of this insurance company, and it's boring, and he used to be a hero. He goes downstairs contemplating all of this, sees a kid run into the street, jumps out to save him from, from a car... Daredevil gets there first, uh, essentially emasculating him further. He feels real bad. Cut to night, Wall Street. Uh, this dude is zooming along the street at about four foot off the ground. Um, <laughs> Torpedo is so crap. <laughs> blasts through well, the side so... of a bank into the vault door. T- opens a safe deposit box, steals some papers, leaves everything else, um, and is gone. Okay. All of these plot threads converge as Daredevil fights Torpedo, but in the process, Torpedo is killed on the, like, several floors above Brock's office. Brock comes to investigate finds the dying torpedo who tells him everything uh, and asks him to carry on. So Brock puts on the suit. Daredevil, demonstrating why a blind superhero is a terrible idea, um, says, hold it right there, torpedo. And Brock is just like, I'm not the same guy. My hair is a different color. And Daredevil's like, I have no way to verify that he's lying because I'm blind and his costume makes so much noise that I can't hear his heartbeat. So then, in Daredevil 127... Well, before we get there, because we gotta talk about Frankie. He's trying to go... Before he goes out to fight Torpedo, or whatever, he's trying to go to bed because he hasn't... He hasn't slept in, like, 24 hours. And he, mm-hmm. he's been lawyering or daredevil in for so long that he needs... He's trying to go to sleep. But then Torpedo blows up a car outside. That's what that's the inciting incident to get him onto right. the trail. Yeah. But as he's about to put Dawn his daredevil threads, uh, this woman just walks into his apartment. And Walks into like, his bedroom. Like, she's already in his place. Yeah. And she just walks into his bedroom. And he's like, ah, who the fuck are you? And she's like, I'm Heather. Who the fuck are you? And he's like, she goes, oh, I used to date a guy that we weren't really, you know, we were kind of on again, off again. And he used, he lived in this apartment and I had the extra key. So I was going to come over to his place and... Yeah, and he's like, um, cool. You want to <laughs> yeah, go? Like, I came over to see him, but you look down to clown. <laughs> and he's just exactly. like, and she's on like, an ordinary she goes, night, maybe. <laughs> That's the, yeah, exactly. He would, if he didn't have to go do daredeviling things, Matt Murdock would have stayed there with a crazy person and had sex with her like this is which all right like i can't say i blame him like no 
I can't. Natasha's I definitely would have kicked this person out of my house. I I would have fucked her and then kicked her out. I would have demanded the key at very least. Yeah. Because he didn't do that. Like as he's jumping out the window, he's like, "Oh yeah, should." After he ushers her to the door and says, "Okay, please have a nice night somewhere else," he jumps yeah. out the window and he's like, "Oh, I should have got that key." Oh yeah. well, may it no. Not only does he say, "I should have got that key," he goes, "Well, who knows? Maybe I'll be glad I didn't." Like, what nope, is wrong you with you? You won't. You won't, Matt. Uh, but whatever. I mean, you know. Issue. She's built, so, <laughs> like, whatever. Uh, but Daredevil number 127 is colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by Joe Rosen. Torpedo gets away. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Daredevil, there's a whole thing about, like, Foggy's trying to get, convince him to... Uh, come back and work for him because the campaign is not going well and Matt is literally the only person he can trust. Uh, meanwhile, the um, what's her name? Uh, Heather shows up again uh, because like he comes in, he comes swinging home, gets in, changes out of his costume, comes into his living room and she's sitting there watching TV and he's just like, hmm... Okay, um, but yeah, she's just a fucking mess. Like, this woman is legit crazy, and whatever. Like, he but, needs to take her directly to mental health care. Like, yeah. you are clearly, because this is not how we have a society. Like, yeah. this is not... This is not acceptable behavior. <laughs> she is She is violating the social compact. <laughs> um... But yeah, so ultimately, though, uh, Torpedo is causing trouble up in Westchester. Daredevil intervenes. They wind up wrecking a house. It turns out that uh, the first Torpedo was actually a Soviet scientist who managed to get out. But then it turned out that his family was... uh, His family in America was still part of the problem. Right, so they convinced him to build a suit which ostensibly would rival Iron Man's, but come on, you can fly four feet off the ground. Like, you could literally probably run faster than torpedo moves, but whatever. Um, And so, yeah, he sucked, and then he died. And so Brock tries to take it over, but ultimately they wreck these people's houses uh, at which point the the lady calls him out uh, or calls them out for their for the damage and they're like, oh, you're right. We've really wrecked this shit. So Brock literally just goes, fuck this. I'm going home. Here's the information. You do whatever you want. I'm done. Um, interestingly, so here, here's the thing. Um, Brock makes one more outing uh, in Defenders for a bit, for like an issue. Because there's like a, there's a team that gets together to deal with, it's kind of like the uh, the Fantastic Four that filled in, that was made up of Hulk, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and uh, was it Punisher? I forget. But the, fi- no, Spider-Man. 
the fill-in Fantastic Four. The fill the, it was Defenders for a day. He was part of that team, and then the next time you see him, he dies fighting dire wraiths, and his costume is then picked up by the woman who becomes Turbo of the New Warriors. So oh. that is that is the short version of his entire career, which is to say his entire career. Oh. Anyway. Also that it means the suit is just cursed because nothing good ever happens to the new warriors. Well, yeah. There is yeah. not a version um, of that team that, it, that that does not end up mostly dead. Turbo winds up becoming part of the uh, superhero support group featured in Runaways. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, she survives mostly. But anyway, uh, moving on, because damn. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1 number 11 finally wraps up this golem bullshit. So we don't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, written by Bill Mantlow and Roy Thomas, penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Janssen, and colored by Klaus Janssen, lettered by Tom Orzakowski. Thing and Thing and Alicia Masters are going to Florida to go to Disney World. Um, they are waylaid on the way down because the Gollum uh, Kabbalah has flooded St. Petersburg, um, cutting off cutting the city into two parts uh one part is where san pedro university is and that's where the golem's human friends are stuck the other part is where the golem is and it is wrecking the place so thing tries to go and fight the golem as they're fighting the information about all of this flashes into thing's mind and he's like oh okay so he retreats builds a little bridge across the water because he knows like the information included hey this guy has water demons and so he's like i better not touch the water so he builds a little bridge out of debris uh across but the water demons fight him anyway so well done i guess but it manages to give the uh, Scooby gang a chance to make their way across and reconnect with the golem. Uh, Kabbalah shows up and he's like, no, 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 this is not the way this is supposed to go. And uh, they kick his ass and he flees, at which point everybody's just like, well, that's the end of that, I guess. And thank God. I was just thinking, you know, if I were Thing, I'd be bringing up this day, like, a lot. <laughs> like, I've seen some weird sh- Like, because Thing has and seen... And Thing is Jewish! Thing is even Jewish, so he oh, knows... He is? The, yeah. Thing is a Jew. I did not know so, that. So, yeah. Yeah, Thing is... Uh, ben Grimm is Jewish. I did not know that. Okay. Um, more you know... Uh, he, but like, yeah, exactly. Even better because not only has Ben Grimm seen some shit with mm-hmm. the, with the Fantastic Four over 40, 50 years, but also, but this has got to be, before you told me that, I would have said this would be the weirdest goddamn thing is I met the 
manifestation of a 2,000-year-old story that I didn't know was true and actually was, and also that thing touched my mind. Used mm-hmm. God's magic to touch my mind and fill it with truth. Like, I would be bringing that up every Sunday. Every yeah. other day, right? But, like, on top of the fact that he's Jewish? Like, holy shit! Like, yeah. I if Ben, Ben... Ben just has to be like, oh, also, I, I, I met actual God. Like, I, and turns out we were right. So, fuck the rest of you. Well, we I mean, in, in everybody else's defense, everybody's kind of right. I mean, In like, this universe, yes. There's always, yeah. everybody's met their version of God. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, all right. fuck. Uh, but yeah, like, um... Anytime somebody was just like, man, Judaism is, Judaism is real. Like I'm a Christian and we've got it right. And he's like, bitch, I've literally met a golem. I have (laughs) met a thing from Jewish folklore. Like God made a stone thing come to life. Like fuck you and your I'm right bullshit. Like whatever. Anyway, I've also uh, met Thor. Like, it's all up yeah. in the air, man. <laughs> I hang out with Thor and Hercules and Gilgamesh. I've met God, and he looks like and he looks like a Jewish comic creator. Like sometimes I've met, and on a bi-monthly basis, my my best friend is actually God. I don't like I. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Whatever, uh, like. My I've I really fought bad. Galactus and <laughs> and I play poker with I mean like whatever anyway um, theology in the Marvel universe has just got to because they always approach it from a from a real world perspective but it's got to be such a fucking snarl like it's got to it's yeah. got to be what is the what is the Christianity that's just kind of hippy dippy and it's just kind of like everybody's kind of right and we're all kind of like I, I feel I mean, like that's the entire just a regular old non-dominational non-denominational yeah, it, yeah I feel like that should be the primary religion in the Marvel universe I would say either uh humanist or unitarian like just yeah unitarian just, where it's just kind of like it, it, yeah, you would either have that or uh, humanist, where it's just like we're all gonna die. Like yeah. that's we're all gonna die. We may at least try not to make things worse while you're alive. Because have you seen the bullshit going on in the sky? But <laughs> like, if this if this is Earth, hell has got to be crazy. Dude. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, so lastly this week, uh, we arrive at Marvel 2 and 1 number 12, which is written by Bill Mantlow, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Janice Cohen, and lettered by Karen Mantlow. Um, In which we learn that Tony Stark is terrible at building rockets. Wait, what? That's, that doesn't yeah. sound right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Tony does not come off well as a scientist in this issue. An engineer, so no. They're 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 testing out a new jet, um, and he's like, "Well, who do I know that's probably not going to be hurt?" <laughs> um, so he calls up Ben, and uh, so the they they prepare 
for liftoff. Hey at ben, which point, so you're indestructible, point... right? <laughs> well, I think so. Mostly. Right, let's find out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the they finish the countdown and everything like continues, and then the jet disappears, and Stark is just like, "Where the fuck is it?" And they're like, we don't know. And it turns out that not only did the jet not take off, not only did it not explode on the launch pad, it did the opposite of what a jet is supposed to do and buried itself in the fucking ground. Well, so, the, there's a cana- There's a funnel casing, a tunnel underneath the launch pad. To, uh, that to was, like, job absorb was and to, divert the yeah. blast. Yeah, and he wound up he wound up not going up or staying where he was. He went down and crashed through the bottom of the tunnel into a cavern where so Tony investigates in his Iron Man suit, flies down, finds Ben under the control of Prester John. Holding Prester John what is called the Power Stone. Right. Uh, It's the Stone of Power, but it's not that Power Stone. It's a different one that never shows up again. Yeah. But, I mean, they could have made it the Reality Stone later. Like, but whatever. That would have been... Um, Well... What? Nothing. I don't want to talk about comics iterations of Infinity Gems. Because (laughs) on their own... (laughs) God, that is that is the Hawkman of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, like no, because it is so fucked and it is so rewritten and retconned and like what they do and where they came from and all that shit. No. Yeah. So the the upshot of all of this is Prester John. If you don't recall, first appeared in Fantastic Four number fifty four. He had the evil eye, which became the basis for Avengers: Defenders War. Um, which was then taken by him by Human Torch, who was going to try to use it to penetrate the dome over Adelan so that he and Crystal could be together. Uh, But Prester John uh, would have given it to him. However, he did not have an opportunity to, and before he could switch on the safety because apparently the evil eye had a switch which makes it work or blow up uh and he did not choose the work option it was set to blow up so uh yeah but then it became a whole thing and then it was destroyed and whatever uh so then Prester John kind of wandered around a w- little while until he was found by some Bedouins who were like, yay, you're awesome. Let us worship you. And he's like, I'll allow it. So they bring him all this stuff and they wind up bringing him this stone. The stone kind of takes over Prester John and makes him kill everybody. Uh, and then he uh, he gets sucked into the earth uh, and put into a state of suspended animation the jet situation shook him awake so then he uh causes iron man and thing to be like prostrate before him but then he leaves at which point iron man is able to hit thing upside the head 
thing then hits Iron Man and they're free. So they attack him. Uh, Iron Man distracts Prester John. Um, and thing is then able to grab and uh, throw it into the sky, um, which frees Prester John from its uh, control. Then, so, they're just like, well, might as well get some breakfast. And Prester John is just like, can can I come? And they're like, eh, whatever. Um, Prester John, the only experience I had with him prior to starting this reread uh, was in Cable Deadpool. He was the chief of security for uh, Cable's Island. Uh, was that That was that? it. Avalon? I forget what it was called. I didn't realize... Why did I think that was Dum-Dum? Because that's real stupid. Well, I mean, he's a big guy with red hair and a mustache, but it was Prester John. Okay. So anyway. uh, Yeah. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. I was saying I think we actually have a lot to choose from this week um, yeah I still decided to make it a theme list but I'll I'll tell you in a minute okay so number five uh Thor putting lightning straight through Orca I think we may have skipped past it but during that fight while he's kind of working his way up to his um the mild frenzy he's in one of the things that he does is essentially change the entire weather scheme of the whole city and just grab lightning out of the sky and channel it through the hammer directly mm-hmm. into him and blast him into a wall. And it was pretty rad, the way that it was mm-hmm. drawn and paneled. Um, number four, Hellcat taking on Buzz and just to, like finishing that relationship. That was mm-hmm. cool from a minor fight that actually the fight wasn't that cool it was actually just the way that she because she dispatches him easily but it's the character moment that she actually gets to like end that toxic relationship and walk away from it um as her own person and a superhero uh yeah number three is uh i wish every one of my relationships ended with me (laughs) putting on a costume just like fuck it i'm out whoosh um, number three is Medusa absolutely putting Gorgon in his place. Um, not only because, for all the reasons that we said, but, like, it, she's right. He is being an asshole. But, like, the mm-hmm. way that it's written is there's a lot more going on in what she's saying to him at that time than just quit being a dickhead. It's, I'm going to rip your freaking throat out if you don't shut up right now like there was honest emotion in there um that was really cool uh number two was black bolt scream the consequence because um all of it leading up to it like he was holding out and holding out and holding out and just broke and yeah the consequences of his actions as well uh and then (laughs) 
number one. They were gone for an hour. <laughs> yeah. The Inhumans were gone for an hour, and when they came back, Crystal and Pietro couldn't hold it down for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, or, like, there's several ways to look at it. Either Crystal and Petro couldn't hold it down for an hour, or that's how efficient Maximus is. One of the two. Yeah. All uh, right. So that's me. Our uh, our lists aren't actually that different. Oh, really? Um, okay. I, I, uh, this is my mm, pussy uh, list. Have, I, have you not seen that? No. Uh, there, Greg Barrent, the comedian, has a thing where he's talking about uh, an interview with Steven Tyler and at the time Tyler was like 60 and uh, he's like for me it's still about the three M's music money and mm, pussy and he's just like dude you're a grandfather <laughs> like, and he's like my dad is the same age as Steven Tyler and if he's saying mm, pussy it means he got confused and <laughs> ate the cat like <laughs> But uh, in the course of making this list, I there were a whole lot of M's, so I just leaned into it. But it's uh, so number five is Matt kick her the fuck out. Like, yeah, just this is a damaged call person. the police. Um, yeah. Number four is marital counseling by way of superhero. Yes, uh, and just the the uh, the closure that that Patsy receives in all of this. Uh, number three is uh, Maximus, the ultimate doer. Because, uh, yeah, he 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 got shit done. Uh, number two is Medusa uh, dressing Gorgon down uh, because that whole scene was just so great. And number one is just, man, Black Bolt just screaming and wrecking the re- refuge and um Owning his it. his uh his response afterward yeah and everything just well that's phenomenal. that's also like part of why it was so cool is because he just straight up after after it happened and he got down and he he just owned it it was like i fucked up um this is you should not follow me I should not be. I should, yeah, I should not be in charge. If mm-hmm. I couldn't wait and have faith in the rest of the royal family to unfuck this situation, then I should not be king. And that's rat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So uh, next week we have a whole we have a whole bunch of kung fu because we've got a bunch of issues of. Uh, Master of Kung Fu, and then some Marvel premiere, and then the first issue of Iron Fist. Uh, we have the beginning of a run of Thor, and uh, two whole issues of Amazing Spider-Man. So, should be an interesting week. A uh, whole lot of asterisks uh, going on there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So, uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watcher's Guide MU. Uh, email us at watchersguide at gmail or visit our website at watchersguide.com did I say it? watchersguide at gmail.com yes Uh, so that is it for us have a marvelous week bye